Hi, I'm Jill, and you've landed on the Grow Like a Mother podcast. This is a place where we lean into all things motherhood and personal growth. We talk about the good, bad, and ugly in a way that's real and relatable. Whether I'm interviewing guests or sharing my own wisdom and learnings, this is half an hour for you. Put this on in your car or on a walk, while you're doing chores, wherever it fits into your life and give yourself the gift of prioritizing yourself. You'll hear tips and tricks and tactics to help you get aligned with the version of you that doesn't just go by the name mom. You'll hear my methods of time ownership and goal achievement and learn how to master your mindset and tune into your intuition. These are the things that can create true transformation in how you navigate life and take you from feeling overwhelmed to in control. This is Motherhood Mixed with Woo. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. Today, I'm really excited to get to talk to Anna. I have been on her podcast, uh, the Money Boss podcast, and now she is coming on mine. So if you're interested to hear more of us chatting together, um, head on over to her pod, which I will, of course, link in the show notes. Um, But today I have the pleasure of interviewing her over here at the Grow Like a Mother podcast. So Anna is a money girl. She's got 19 years of experience as a certified financial planner, and she's the CEO of Main Street Financial Planning, which is one of the nation's largest fee-only project-based planning-only focused companies that serve families with young children wanting to grow their wealth and make smart financial decisions along the way. So I really love this. And we're going to get into a little bit of what it is that the business does, what kind of work you do, Anna, um, and sort of dive into a couple really um, specific topics. But first off, welcome. And is there anything that you would like to share today with the audience about your journey to get here or sort of what's important, whatever feels important to share? Yes. Thank you so much. First of all, I'm excited to connect with you again, Jill. We've had an awesome conversation on my podcast. So I feel it's like a con- continuation of our of our chat. So that's, that's first of all. Second of all, I am excited to talk to your audience because I own not only I bring you know the knowledge and expertise in my professional background as a financial planner, and I love that work I have for the last almost twenty years, but I also am a mom uh, to a four year old son Liam, and so I get to experience that uh, part of my life, the motherhood, and I feel like these these two, the money and everything you get to do for your family as a mom, are such a hard things um, for anybody to go through. So if I can blend the two together. And share, you know, just a small nugget today with, you know, everyone listening. I think it would be the win for me. So I'm excited to to, um, to chat today. So thanks for having 100%. me. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you're here. And it's really timely for me selfishly because I, um, my son just lost his first tooth. And so the tooth fairy came. Oh, and yes. so I'm in this position all of a sudden of like, okay, well, now he's getting his own money because he's five and he hasn't had any sort of like allowance to speak of yet. And he's got a little piggy bank, right? But I'm like, okay, now I'm in a situation where I need to teach him what is this thing money? And like, how do I instill from the beginning of the conversation, smart money skills for him when I feel like some of the decisions I've made in my life haven't been super smart. And I was not brought up at an early age to have any sort of understanding of money. So I'm like, well, this is perfect timing, actually. Um, So maybe let's start there. Like, how do we even begin to talk to our kids about money? Like, what does that look like? When does that happen? 
Yeah, it's, I, I feel like it's very, um, it comes in different, uh, different phases, right? And, and conversations about, about money could start, you know, as early as the kids are interested, right? Or I remember, you know, I only have four years of motherhood experience so far, but it's like, I remember, right? Uh, <laughs> they've been long four years. I remember, you know, moments when I was just in the grocery store, right? And my son was sitting in the grocery cart and, you know, I pull up my wallet and I go pay for, you know, whatever I was buying, grocery store, wherever. And he would, you know, would, he would like lean towards, you know, my wallet, right? Just simply because he was interested, right? Or he would grab a credit card and try to put it into a credit card machine. Um, and so, I mean, these are just some like motions that kids go through, right? But I think what's what's really important is this to start talking about like what is happening, right? Even these little ones, right? They may not understand all the minutiae about money and what it does, but you'd be surprised how fast it starts to accumulate. So like if you start with, you know, just a simple explanation that, you know, it's, you know, there's an exchange that that's happening, right? If you want to get something from somebody, you got to give them something, right? It could be money, it could be toys, it could be candy, like, I mean, it could be really basic things, but it starts to introduce a concept that, you know, it is something that exists. Now, um, I think, it, it, you know, parents also struggle. And I see this not, you know, just in, in, in the general financial planning work that I do, right. And creating money roadmaps for them and try and try and, you know, help them figure out what and how they can make decisions, but it's also like being, not being afraid to talk about it. So simple conversations on, you know, even on daily basis would be really good. I, um, I've heard, I have a really um, a great friend who really focuses on teaching kids, right? Or she has a, a, a course that teaches kids these, you know, financial, um, you know, one-on-one kind of things. So, and she starts as early as four years old. So I do know for sure that little kids like my son are very equipped to start, you know, managing those things because they go with you everywhere you go. They start to ask for toys, right? So you start to introduce this idea. Okay. Do you earn this, right? Do you earn whatever it is that you're asking for, or it's just given to you? And, you know, I found that it's for some families, it's really, it really depends like what your values are. Like, what do you value? Do you value this you know idea that they have to work really hard for something or you're okay with giving them you know an allowance and we can certainly talk about that too but deciding first like what's important to you and how do you want to teach them what money is all about so it's not just like hey here's how you know dollars and cents work it's these value concepts that i find are, are like the roots of what causes us as adults to be you know stressing out about money or overspending or not you know making mistakes and and there's a lot more to that too yeah that makes a lot of sense and it's it's just hitting home for me so strongly right now because it comes down to the mindset around things which is where I start all of my conversations with my clients as well as the mindset. And it's so cool to see that this is a universal sort of starting place um, that feels really um, nourishing somehow right now, just to understand that it all really comes and we have that power to be able to start and to fix if if we perceive something's wrong or to learn and um, our mindset around it with our values and our priorities, it all, that's where it stems from. And I love that. I think that's probably really great advice too for the parents. Like we need to get our own selves in order and feel good financially and with our own financial literacy before we can necessarily teach it to the kids, which is maybe, um, maybe the first starting point, <laughs> starting point with that. Oh man. Um, I do want to touch on allowance because it's something that before I was a parent, right? I think we've all had these like thoughts before I was a parent, 
I thought, yep, for sure. My kids are going to have chores and they're never going to be on tech and they're going to have, you know, like the best behavior in restaurants and all these things that we anticipate as parents that don't actually happen. And then we are in it and we're like, oh, wow. Okay. And we laugh at all the non-parents and all the things. But one thing that I had always thought that I would like to do with my kids is set up some kind of chore system where they would contribute to the house. And I always knew that would be part of it. And that is something that I do with my kids, but I haven't yet thought about how or if I attach monetary value to that, or if that's just part of the expectation of the household. So I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts on allowance just as an allowance, just as a free money allowance as an exchange for work or work is just being part of the house and there's no money attached to that? Like, talk me through what that looks like. Yeah, totally. I I I do struggle with that too myself because the you know four year old can get some some things that he can contribute to, right? But even so, so I like to I like to think of it as more of a hybrid approach because what what I I mean this is personal, right? But also kind of thinking down the road, what I don't want my son to you know kind of equate that um, anything in the house that he's going to contribute to, right, is going to be always for money, right? So I want to have like the playful aspect of the money, right? Because, I mean, if you think about us as adults, there's that reward piece, right? It just comes to us differently. So yes, we do have to go to work. Yes, we have to do certain things in order to get money. But for the for kids, you know, that doesn't exist yet. So I like to think of this as a hybrid method where there is some amount that's attached to what they're going to do. And I think the older they get, the more realistic it becomes, right? So when you start with little ones, I mean, the idea of teaching them money and giving them this experience along as they grow up is to give them access to money. So that's, you know, that's one thing like tangible pieces. I know like in the world we live today, we can use Venmo, we can use all, you know, the fancy things on your phone, right? That, you know, just instantaneously accomplishes everything, but that's not the key. The key is for them to actually learn what it feels like, touch it, you know, play with it. So if you, you know, if you start to introduce this hybrid method that I refer, refer to as like, okay, some, some money you give to them, right? Because it helps them kind of accomplish the goal of touching it, right? Maybe you give them $2 or $3 a week. So then they can start to kind of play with it and figure out what to do with it. And then the other part is, I think it's definitely worth setting some boundaries around, say, you know, maybe it's whatever they help you with the dishes, you know, vacuuming. I mean, I, every household is different whatever, in, and I think depending on age two, you assign different tasks. But that way you have some flexibility, right? Maybe it's a holiday and all, all of a sudden there's a gift, right? Or, you know, more money available and you want to surprise them or you want to reward them for, for good behavior, but it's not tangent because they didn't, you know, clean the room. And one one thing I've learned too with, with the mon money mindset, and it's not just for kids. I mean, this is the stuff that they're going to carry on to become adults, um, if we always set money around the, the things that if you didn't do something, you're not going to get money. If you failed or you didn't do a good job, you're not going to get money. Um, if money is not available, right, maybe this week you can't give them whatever their allowance is and, uh, and so forth. It sets this negative, right, mindset or negative connotation that, you know, money is evil. And, you know, if, if I don't work hard for it, it's not going to be available to me. So, I want to have both. I want, I, you know, I don't want to just hand things over as a mom and say, here it is. I want my son to start understanding the responsibility and, and taking care of his part, but I want it to be in a playful format. So I want to introduce 
both sides to it. Um, and I feel like having conversations with parents, most are very open to that and saying, all right, I can see, you know, I can see how I can introduce both sides and still get kids involved. Now, the other angle, which I think a lot of, you know, families would agree here is, you know, if if you don't have your kids contribute to the overall household in any format, what does that do, right, to the overall family dynamic? So <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, sort of weighing both sides here. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it all comes back to the values of your household, your family, um, and the values you want to instill in your children growing up. It's cool to see how intertwined it is, something that you might not necessarily have linked together with like family values and finances, but they are so completely linked. And it does need to start early, I think, so that you can be consistent in the messaging. You need to think about it earlier than you're going to need it, maybe, um, to be able to be ready when it comes. Do you find that people maybe okay. are, is it upon them and they're not ready? I, I think the sooner or the, the first time you find yourself, right, thinking about it or you, you're, you know, finding the times where your kids are in situations where the conversations come up, start right there. Like the, you know, the sooner, the better. Mm -hmm. um, and what I think also is really helpful, just like anything in life, the, the more consistent you become about it. The, the more, you know, kids are going to be vested in, in participating in the process, right? They get excited about it too. Um, I teach this my adult clients, right? Because I don't work directly with kids, um, is to have a consistent money date, right? For yourself with your finances. You could have a money date with yourself or your significant other. Um, why can't you do the same with your kids? Why can't you have a family meeting once a week where th these things are discussed? Or this is when you disperse the money, right? Like this is when, if you have this hybrid approach where you, or, you know, if, if it's straight up just, you know, pure allowance, you still have some consistency and it becomes a routine where that there's something they're looking forward to, right? Maybe there's certain tasks they need to accomplish on the weekend and you have this family meeting on Sunday to discuss, you know, how things went and, you know, disperse the money, right? Because that's how it happens in real life. We'll get a paycheck one day. Yeah, <laughs> so that's true. Yeah. Trying to, trying to mimic that, but um, start again, start very small, right? And, and be consistent is probably the best game that you can, you know, get them involved in. Um, I have a book. Um, it's a, a you started a introduction of a podcast about your son losing a tooth with the tooth fairy. And I remember when I was reading um, this book, it's, um, I forget the author, but it's the Lama Lama series. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's Lama Lama something tooth drama. I'll, I'll send you a link so you can include it in the, in the, in the show notes. But it was like, I remember the first time I've read the story and he, my son was like, he loses the tooth. And then he gets money. You know, I like I saw this this look on his face and he was like, but that's like a good deal. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. It's like so that was an indication to me that something was happening. Right. He was really starting to like connect the dots. And 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 I mean, we haven't lost any tooth yet too early, but I, that was one idea. I'm like, OK, well, so let's and I bought a few other books about money. Right. For little kids like that, because I was like, OK, I think he's getting the, the concept. Right. We're still like around tooth fairy and stuff. But the money part was like it was like a little light bulb went off. Right. So start looking for those um, those moments where they're, you know, they're intrigued, they're interested and expand on those. Um, I also wanted to add, I think it's helpful 
to decide, and there's not a right or wrong number, like how much do you give as an allowance, right? Um, there's some statistics around that I've seen, like national, actually national average of uh, parents actually given allowance is like about 50%. So 50% of families do give any kind of money, whether it's you know, around chores or, you know, school homework or tasks, others don't. So it's like not a consistent um, throughout. You know, and that's probably why we're still as a society struggle with, you know, being really good with our finances, um, right? I'm like connecting and that's there. But it's it's one like rule of thumb that I like to kind of keep in the back of your head. So if you have a four-year-old, if you're already starting something like that, or five-year-old, give them $5, right, a week, because that's how old they are, right? So $5 every week. If that seems like too much, you know, maybe scale it back, give them $5 every two weeks, but kind of like associate it around how old they are, because then then you can also explain to them why that is, right? Next year, when they're going to be six, they're going to get $6. Obviously, I think when they become teenagers, you probably will have to justify that a little more <laughs> when they start earning their own money. But for little ones, it's, you know, it's just a good round number. Say, so, well, how old are you? Are you five? Okay, well, that's how much money you get. Mm, I love that. And what are your thoughts on bank accounts for kids? Like, do you like the piggy bank idea where they can like touch and feel it? Do you, they ever get, when do they get to the point where they can understand the idea of a bank card? Like, when- I like both. Yeah. I like both. I think the, for, for little kids, the, the tangible part is really crucial because then they can they, they can start making decisions that we you know we as adults have to make every day. So I have I'll share as well with your listeners. Um, I found really cool plastic jars, you know, like those canning jars, but they're not glass; they're plastics. There's a set of three with the little lids that have a little hole in in you know on the top, so you can actually put the money. But the reason for three is that so as as soon as you start to to introduce concept of allowance, I think. You could take it a step further right at the same time, because it's like once they get the money, what do they do with it? So we can start to teach them, you know, the basics of saving, the basic of, you know, uh, saving for the rainy day, um, giving and then, you know, maybe having like a fun, fun jar. So if, if you if you can introduce that at the same time, then it's easier for them, because once they get the money, then they can sort of say, OK, well, I want to spend this week, whatever it is in my jar that says spend. Um, if you start in conversations with them about helping others, right? It's like, I know my son, my son goes to a school that um, they're doing a project where they were, you know, collecting food and we donated some, you know, some, some stuff from our pantry and things like that. So they're starting to get into this idea of like helping others, right? Um, and so I think it's really good, right? And if you're not giving them whole, you know, big, amounts of money that's very you know tangible because then they can take that jar next time you are going to you know to the grocery store if you're going to a toy store they can spend their money so it becomes real to them for kids that are older i really do think it's it's really cool to have you know access to a bank account where they can have like a card right so I would think that anytime someone, you know, starts to work, it makes a lot of sense to open a, a first bank account. Um, and, you know, maybe a parent can be together with them on their on that bank account. So let's say if you're like 14 or 15, right, you can be or, you know, 16, um, you can have, you know, a, just a real bank account that way, because I think by then kids already have cell phones. So and then we start to get into the all the electronic ways to pay. And so it's kind of like time to do it because, at some point when they are working, we can start to introduce the concept of investing, right? Because that's when the money actually really grows. The, you know, the, the save 
give and spend is really basic concepts, but they take the longest to really master. Because what do we tend to do, right? We tend to like gravitate towards spending. <laughs> versus of course we do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's why I'm like, I catch this, the little kids, that, you know, early on or as early as you can um, yeah. do that. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, just again, thinking back to my situation, like my son, Logan, he is the type of kid who, it, however you show him the first time, he's going to do it that way always and forever. Amen. Like he is not, he is going to take that way that you showed him and apply that. And he's going to future scale it. Like that will be the way that he does it forever. So um, that's why I think if there's anyone else out there with kids like that, I think it's pretty common for autistic kids, but I think most like there probably are just, you know, neurotypical kids that have this tendency to just to get a concept, understand it and use that as truth forever. So if you can yeah. start from the beginning with these really great concepts and add and build, but you, you have a solid foundation, you're doing them such a service, you know, I love that. And I love the jar idea. Um, did they, do the kids get to choose how things get allocated between the jars? Is that the exercise as well for them to have that autonomy to decide like, well, if it all goes into spending, then they learn the lesson that it's gone. Or do we, do we guide them? I'd like to start, I mean, depending on the, what, you know, what the age of the kids, maybe little kids, you can give them a guideline because they, you know, they don't understand quite what, you know, what the deal is. But if you give them three pieces for $3, you know, they can probably follow that. You can put them all in three jars. So um, I, I, I think I've seen it kind of, you know, just depends on what the family values are too, right? So if you're gravitating towards more, you know, being generous and that's what drew support, uh, you know, as a family, then then maybe perhaps more emphasis uh, is on the give jar, right? Versus like the spend um, or the save. Uh, so I, it's it's really depends. Um, but whatever the breakdown is, consistent, right? And that's what maybe you can like discuss in your family meeting. Family meeting, I mentioned it already, may sound like a very sophisticated thing. It's not. It's just a conversation, right? Have a conversation. If you have the jars sitting, you know, in their room on the shelf somewhere, or, you know, if it's Sunday morning, you're having pancakes, just bring it up, right? Maybe it's just, just a casual conversation, but it's consistent. And so maybe one week there's something going on and they are really interested in, in buying the toy, or they're really interested in um, giving to, you know, a particular organization or particular cause um, that, you know, that they care about let them do it. I, I think explaining that there's flexibility, right, in changing, right, the dynamic or percentages of what goes into each jar is really crucial. Because I, I feel like if we set boundaries around, oh my gosh, we only have to save, 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 and not ever spend. Do you, do you know, in reality, and it's the truth, I've seen this many, many times with, with adults, grown adults that are, you know, going through life, making decisions, living you know, working hard, saving, retiring, they're having a hard time spending their money, mm. hard time enjoying the money. So there's a downside to that too. So I like to suggest to be, you know, to give people the flexibility. Obviously we've seen cases where it could be really bad situation for somebody overspending and not saving, but it's like, you know, yes, I know the emphasis in everything we learn about money or, you know, personal finances at the beginning is like, You've got to be really good with saving, you know, don't, you know, overspend. I get it. But <laughs> that's 
my sort of answer, but what about the rest? So like this balance, um, I think is the best if you can achieve it. Now, of course, as a parent, what do you bring to the table, right? Like you got to look at your behavior and, you know, if you're trying to teach your child that on a Sunday, you know, morning around breakfast time, you better be looking in the mirror and, you know, answering that question yourself too. Like, honestly. Exactly. Because they're going to see what you're doing and not only hear what you're saying. Right. Love it. And this has been so informative. Thank you so much. Um, I've learned so many tips that I've written down that I know the listeners are going to just be so excited to have. Is there, um, where can they follow you? Where can they work with you? Where are the places that you hang out online? Share that with us. Oh, yes, totally. I, I'd love for anyone who's uh, into podcasting to tune, tune into my podcast. You can find it on any of the platforms that you listen to Jill's podcast. It's Money Boss. Um, I am most active these days on LinkedIn. You can find me by my name, uh, Anna Sergunina, or uh, Instagram, uh, Money Boss Parent. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think you're going to be um, experiencing an influx of followers after this because um, <laughs> this information is really crucial. It's not talked about openly very often, um, specifically with the with the um, piece on the when to teach kids. You know, I think we just sort of like leave it and hope someone else will teach them. So I really appreciate you bringing all of that information onto the show and um, to all of the listeners, thank you for tuning into another episode and I hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, share it with a friend who you might find, uh, who might find this helpful. And uh, if you're sharing it on po- social media, tag Anna and myself and uh, keep on growing like a mother. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Grow Like a Mother podcast this week. You can find more great tips, motivation, inspiration, and community on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Like a Mother on both platforms. And if you enjoyed today's show and wish that you had found it sooner, I invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening. Doing so really helps promote the show to other moms just like you who want to grow and level up in their lives. And if you want to stay connected by email, I invite you to sign up for the email list by visiting the website, which is www.livingwithheart.ca, or diving into the free five-part video series that I recorded just for you. You can find all of the links and the details in the show notes. Until next week, keep on growing like a mother.